Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Sir Meerkat, and welcome back to the Moto Meerkat channel, and welcome back to another episode of the Chatterbox podcast. Now, if you missed it, in last week's episode, I had a fascinating chat with Matt Amis, not Amis, I'll get that right from now on. Now, I'd highly recommend you go and give that episode a watch as we delve deep into his career in motorsport media, specifically with Formula E and why he makes so many bloody karting videos. It was really interesting, so I would recommend that. Uh, I'll be sure to stick a little card in the top corner and there'll be a link in the description as well, but only go and watch that after today's episode because today we have another very special guest. Now I've already spoken to this fine gentleman where we recorded an episode of my YouTuber Hot Seat series which I used to do on the channel where I had guests come on and uh, they do a sort of Formula One quiz. Now luckily for him today there will be no anxiety inducing questions or will there be? That'll keep you on your toes Tommy. <laughs> but uh, yeah as I just said today we have the one and only Founder of WTF1, Tommy Bellingham. How are you doing today, mate? I'm good, thanks. I've just learned uh, Matt Amos's name myself, having worked with him for about a year <laughs> and only just realising that's his surname. So excellent. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I, mate, I got it wrong. The first thing I said on the start of the podcast, I pronounced his name completely wrong. So it set it off really on the good foot. But at least now that gives me a bit of comfort in knowing that even people who have worked with him can't yeah. pronounce his name. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as I said, I was talking to Matt last week. And since I was asking him about this, it's only fair I start off our little conflab with the same question as well. How did you find the WTF1 24-hour race? I heard you had a bit of problem with your glasses. Yeah, the pain of just being a glasses wearer during 2020 with yep. masks and karting. So I really need to it? get contacts. It was, yeah, it was a bit of a pain. Um, it was a good race. Really enjoyed it. I didn't do much, I'll be honest, because I was mainly capturing content there. And mm -hmm. we sort of got fumbled a bit with stints. And then when we realized we weren't doing well, we just decided to send... Uh, Super GT out who's and uh, Jimmy Broadbent who are like yeah. banging Carters um, and I was like well I'll happily just capture content and if we get a trophy at the end enjoy it <laughs> yeah fair enough I mean that's a pretty good strategy yeah just send a Super GT out and he'll do all the hard work exactly. yeah, they are pretty bloody quick but yeah did you had some problems with all your glasses steaming up I know the pain mate I've done but more in the pouring rain before and as soon as you stop sort of the wind flow through the helmet your glasses just immediately steam up don't they it was awful yeah I hit um I hit a, the previous year I managed to hit a curb and um it knocked my helmet down and it just fogged immediately and I couldn't see anything <laughs> and I basically had to crash into the wall so I knew I was off the track um nice. before I could like <laughs> pick my helmet open and then like de-steam yeah. my uh my visor and glasses so that was fun <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> another interesting tactic there yeah, you yeah. <laughs> no, mate, that's hilarious that's hilarious so you've been able to do these amazing things because of wtf1 but that's not where everything started of course well we're gonna go way back to your childhood which i mean is way back um yeah. sorry i've got if i take the piss out of tom over his age i've got to take the piss out of you as well tommy so it's only fair i've got to go hold for it, it so it's fine i mean everyone but, thinks i'm yeah. like 12 so i don't mind people calling me old <laughs> <laughs> okay then there you go it's opposite end of the spectrum there yeah yeah so i was looking at so we've we've just had the turkish grand prix but previously before that we are at imola now i saw some beautiful photos that you posted <laughs> looking quite like sebastian Vettel last time you were at imola watching an f1 race yeah. now i won't ask you to explain the trim but can you tell me sort of how you got into motor racing specifically f1 and how you managed to go to these awesome races in person yeah so it all started in 96 when i Wow. The first thing I remember is seeing an advert on TV. Um, I think it was a replay uh, of Martin Brundle when he got flipped up upside down in Melbourne. Um, massive crash and being a kind of six-year-old kid, it was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. Um, <laughs> so uh, that had already been on and it was like... Um, because that was when the Australian Grand Prix was on at like 2am uh, for UK audience. Um, and I remember telling my parents, like, I really want to watch this. It looks really fun. Um, 
I wonder how much of it as well was subconscious that my uh, two of my uncles were like massively into um, Formula One as well. And they'd been to um, a few races. They went to like Donington 93 and saw Senna do his epic, you know, first first corner and stuff. And I think part of that maybe subconsciously in my head as well um, attracted me to Formula One. But watched the race with my parents and, uh, well, my poor sister wasn't hooked, but me, my dad (laughs) and my mum were instantly just like, this is amazing. And genuinely haven't missed a race since it's just it's just been um yeah that year we went to me and my dad went to silverstone just for practice because it was um i think a fiver or something ridiculous like so cheap to go what yeah i wish it was that i know right um (laughs) and yeah we just we we went to practice and and absolutely loved it and then yeah like you say just hooked yeah that's awesome did you go to a lot of races with your with your parents then yeah, so um, unfortunately for my sister, it became a kind of uh, sacrificing the family holiday to go to a Formula One race, um, and my <laughs> sister didn't like Formula One. But we kind of oh. we kind of like tied oh. things in together. So we went to yeah. Barcelona. Uh, so the, so the first race I went to was uh, Monaco, which everyone's like, "Oh my god, you must be minted!" But me and my dad did it on the cheap. Stayed in a like budget hotel in Nice. The tickets were um, cheaper than Silverstone back then, which is mad. Like n- everyone just finds that bizarre. Um, that is mad. Yeah, yeah. went to Monaco. Um, uh, so that was like the first proper race. Me and my dad did practice and stuff. Uh, and we were like, when we go to a, a race, we'll save up. Uh, so in 2000, I went to the Monaco Grand Prix, uh, which what interesting happened. Uh, I think David Coulthard won it. Uh, Michael Schumacher binned it and everyone like pretty much half everyone like half the Tifosi left um so yeah that was that was obviously awesome going to Monaco um general admission just watching amongst the the trees like getting a big amazing view of the circuit Uh, and then yeah we did sort of like family holidays where we'd go to Barcelona um where my sister could enjoy something (laughs) <laughs> well well we went to the f1 um as well uh manny core in 20 uh in 2002 uh great track yeah um then 2003 went to monza 2004 was silverstone 2005 imola uh which was the famous alonso and uh alonso and uh schumacher yeah. battle and i was a massive alonso fanboy at that point head to toe in Renault gear in the middle of uh, nice. the Tifosi. Um <laughs> and yeah they were the sort of family holidays um so yeah I was lucky enough to go to some amazing races weirdly I only ever went to one we, we only went to like one a year but we seemed to pick like really good That's races honest, yeah. because I noticed someone <laughs> on Twitter replied to me the other day it's like you seem to be at every F1 race ever in the mid 2000s and it's like no we just went to one but it just seemed to be like quite a historic race each time we went which was obviously quite lucky yeah nice yeah you just got lucky every time mate that's so cool that you were able to go to like a different race every year i'm I'm well jealous jealous. (laughs) that sounds so much fun but yeah so you 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 grew up you managed to get your parents involved as well that's pretty amazing yeah yeah. But but you grew up through school, liking F1. Now, I think I remember you saying on on uh, a different time you were talking to someone else that you were like the only person in your year slash school that was really interested in F1. Um, so, did you sort of you sort of grew up by yourself with your parents with motor racing? Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was basically just I was obsessed with F1. No one really. So, like, let's say it was lucky that my uh, my my dad and my mum were into it. Uh, my uncles as well used to play a lot of um, F1 F1 games and stuff uh, okay. at, at theirs because um, he had a, a steer- I mean this is how old I am my uncle had a um, he had two PCs with like is it a LAN cable I think it is or something I uh, can't remember what it is but basically you can play, right. the only way you could play multiplayer was to have two PCs and oh, right. uh, <laughs> like they connect um, this yeah. is like pre <laughs> pretty much pre mm-hmm. like me having a computer even never mind the internet and 
all the lovely things of like now, now you can just meet anyone that loves f1 exactly. on twitter um mm-hmm. it's amazing how many i mean it's great despite all the uh the hate we give it sometimes so when it's the bad side of f1 twitter the good yeah. side is i've been looking for formula one fans to speak to uh for years and now there's thousands of them on the internet but yeah back then it was very much just just me boring everyone at school yeah, exactly. about how great f1 was <laughs> <laughs> you were that I was that guy spouting oh, out oh, facts, fuck, yeah. I don't care about football but did you know that uh, Michael Schumacher <laughs> is on for his sixth world Ooh, title you tomorrow know? and uh... <laughs> everyone just told you to piss off yeah. basically <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah you moved up you moved through school and then you finally got to uni and uni was where you then decided that you wanted to make a blog about Formula 1 why did you have that thought process were you you studying something sort of along those lines or was it pretty random it was very random i was doing um i was doing music so after um okay yeah so so after school which i did not do particularly well at um i i've always been like more creative like the subjects i enjoyed at school was um graphic design um art uh and i was really into music as well and this was the kind of stage where probably hence the the hair that you were talking about my uh my long hair um just yeah. wanted to be a rock star basically and was like uh yeah. um i'll go to uni and do music and then i, I can just become a famous musician and that, that i mean easy Perfect. right um <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah when i was at uni um that was the only career path i sort of saw myself going in but i still absolutely loved formula one um and the more i got into the internet (laughs) and silly things on the internet i just remember thinking like why is there no formula one silliness like all these formula one pages that i go on are just um essentially just journos reporting about a race that yeah. I've seen and I know who won the race. There's no like fan page or anything for me to like really get involved in. Um, yeah. And I was a big, uh, when uh, they're called race fans now, but they used to be called F1 fanatic. Um, yeah. And I used to go on that page a lot when there was about only ever about four people that went on it. Uh, and it was us guys in the comments. Um, and I was like, Oh, I love this page, but I'd love like a really like humorous, silly one that matches my kind of personality um and then one day i just thought yeah why not let's give let's give it a go yeah just throw your own hat in the ring so what what was the process of so you just thought you'd you'd start to make it now i'm very i don't know much about blogging at all was it sort of just did you go onto a different thing and create a blog off of that or did you have to sort of set up your own your whole own web page and everything how did that work uh yeah so there was um so so the kind of like inspiration from it was uh, this page called Geekology, <laughs> which okay. is quite small considering now. Like it's it's mad to think I like looked up to that and now WTF1 has like surpassed it in followers and viewership like yeah, loads. So but cool. it was really, really mm-hmm. strange. But um, it was, it, that was my first realization of like, oh, you can write stuff on the internet and be a bit of a like st- like an idiot like me and just joke and have a personality rather than needing an English degree, which I didn't have because yeah. I was useless no. at school. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, and I remember, yeah, it got to that point where I was like, Oh, I wish there was like this page, but for F1. So I looked around for pages to essentially blog and uh, Tumblr which is, I think, is now more of like a... It's more like an art and fan fiction kind of style site. Um, But I started, yeah, blogging on there. Can't really remember, like, the very early stuff, which kind of shows the kind of humour it was and how very different it was, was things like um, one of the early posts I remember that someone had made uh, paella with uh, Pedro De La Rosa's face in it and that is just like bizarre silly stuff that no other f1 page would follow and yeah i just yeah. just wrote about how bizarre and silly it was and then just started um putting these posts up every day about silly stuff going on in formula one from like a fan's perspective yeah i mean yeah, the the wtf 
Makes a lot more sense now, yeah. Mm. Pedro de la Rosa's face in a pile up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would be interested to see that, actually, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I can find that. it somewhere. <laughs> I was looking, like... A very old article. Yeah, I found some, like, old tweets the other day of, of from, like, going back, just searching uh, around, like, the time I set up WTF1. And uh, I found my, like, very first post on Tumblr that was so many really? typos in it. It was embarrassing. But really? it's, a, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny to look back at now. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's great. That's great. So you started this WTF1 blog, not really thinking much of it, I guess. Uh, what was the sort of timeline of progression in the website? Because I'm, I'm assuming there's not too much sort of virality of blogging. Because when you're making YouTube videos, if you sort of get the algorithm right, it could bump up your video quite a bit. I'm I'm guessing there's not really that sort of thing in blogging. How do, how do you disseminate your stuff to more and more and more people? And how did it grow? Uh, so... Like I mentioned earlier, through sort of um, uh, F1 fanatic race fans, I'd sort of, um, I've been on Twitter since 2009, which was a very different place back in 2009. Um, Like we're saying, you know, there's thousands of people uh, that like F1. There wasn't then. It certainly wasn't as easy to find. Um, And I remember just searching F1 and just following like 30, 40 random people. Um, right. that had F1 in their name, started talking to them about F1. And then I shared um, my own sort of blog posts, as people do now, really, just saying, like, check this out. Um, I've started this, like, funny blog because I maybe had 30, 40 followers or something just to, like, mm-hmm. prom- promote promote it. Uh, and then I guess it just grew from there. I remember uh, being very busy at uni. I stopped it. And then there was a few people on Twitter that messaged me and said, oh, wh- what's happened to WTF1? I thought it was really good. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you don't expect to to hear that because it's still like really yeah, early stage. Going out of their way. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. People like it. And it was like a bit of a confidence boost and started doing it again. Hmm. And then uh just yeah it just got it just grew from there really just constantly um promoting it on twitter and i grew a bit of a, a facebook following as well by posting um silly memes that i made about f1 and me i think this was like memes before the word meme was even mainstream um it was right. like photoshops and uh that yeah. i was doing on some free version of ms paint like terrible (laughs) (laughs) terrible stuff but people enjoyed it and um yeah it just it just grew from there really and then um yeah it's just just getting more people into it through social media definitely is it was the way to go yeah 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 nice like a like a sort of slow trickle but you you were saying there that you stopped it for a little bit because it was getting a bit too much while you were at university. So you you finished your degree in music, I assume. Uh, and then after that, once you got the degree, was it sort of like, were you at a point in the blog there where you were like, I can do this as a job? Or was it still at sort of a point where it was a bit low and you weren't really sure what you were doing at that stage? Uh, no, it's it quite the opposite, actually. So I was... Um, okay. So yeah, I was doing the... Um, oh, camera's gone off. Uh, while I was at uni, I was doing the, um, yeah, uh, doing my uh, degree and WTF1 on the side. But by maybe probably towards the end of third year, uh, no, sorry, start of third year, at this point now, uh, WTF1 had quite, I wouldn't say big, but like a decent following online. Um Oh God, I'm trying to think. Maybe like twenty thousand Facebook fans or something, which was pretty decent at the time, to be honest. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, getting like traffic and stuff. I couldn't really make any money from it through like Google Ads, but um, then mm-hmm. the uh, then then I started. I remember the first thing was pretty much when Sky announced they were taking F1. They invited me to their launch day uh that would have been 2012 start 2012 um Mm -hmm. and yeah i was like whoa okay this is like 
this is a better opportunity than my music degree uh, this could really go somewhere um and then i had at the at the end of my third year whilst i was literally doing my final project i managed to get um to the final interview stage to be red bull racing's social media um wow person um cool. like executive and uh sadly didn't get the job but it, oh. it definitely um made me go okay there's there's a chance here like i'm not getting anything through my music degree really um which at the end of the day you get what you put into it and i put so much more effort into this than i did with my music degree i'm sure if i'd have you know spent all my free time doing music i would have had the opportunities and things but um it was it was just a real realization of okay this is going to be it's almost like this is the path i need to go down because i'm getting so Mm -hmm. much so many more opportunities and yeah that just grew like with connections and just meeting people at these events um and i could just grow it from there really mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah i mean you've got to go down the one that gives you the, the opportunities and the one that you're feeling the most passionate about because what you feel the most passionate about you're going to put the most time to naturally aren't yeah, you so definitely. no that's that's nice mate so yeah you you build up you build up the company more you're getting these opportunities well, imagine that if red bull had have accepted you we would have never had WTF one like we do today. Yeah, Amazing. that's it. I would have that's, been. It would have been done. Mental. I would have probably just stopped doing it. And just binned it off. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Red Bull, for <laughs> not employing Tommy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you you built up the company a bit more, and then you got to the point where you were approached by Car Throttle, I believe, to buy out WTF one. Now, when was that? why did it happen who approached you can you give us a sort of lowdown on that situation yeah so at this point i had left university um Mm -hmm. i worked part-time uh in retail and then i was still doing wtf1 on the side and then um red bull did uh offer me freelance work uh, on their dot com page so that meant that i could leave a kind of a normal job and i Mm -hmm. essentially became a full free uh, freelance editor of f1 so i was doing work for um red bull Uh, i did some stuff for topgear.com uh stuff like that so so yeah it was like Mm -hmm. okay these are where all the opportunities coming in um and it got to the point where wtf1 was as a blog was like massive i was getting so much traffic and i'm not a, at the end of the day i'm like i'm not a business <laughs> businessman like i didn't really know anything about how to monetize it what to do with it um it was just still my hobby on the side and even though the views were were loads you know getting 400 pound a month google ads money is not mm-hmm. gonna pay my rent so um basically uh before that the guys from car throttle had spoken to me about buying it and i said i wasn't ready at that time this was about 2014 i think it was um 2015 um Mm -hmm. and then yeah the end of 2016 those conversations started again and Mm. i was (laughs) The thing is, like the more the more you do stuff, like I never thought I would ever get bored of writing for Red Bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that when I was obviously in retail, that was like, whoa, you write yeah. F one full time, that'd be amazing. Um, but I'd been doing it for two years. WTF one, I was proper at a crossroads with WTF one. That was like, I either stop doing it and just focus freelance because it's not worth my time and getting stressed out to make yeah. 30 quid on Google ads um, exactly. and couldn't put in the effort or I take this opportunity with car throttle. And part of that was the fact that, you know, I could do this full time and WTF one would be my job, which a lot of people obviously are, are quick to go. Oh, well look at it now. Like you should have 
kept it or whatever but at the end of the yeah. day i couldn't have done that so that was my opportunity to make it full time and it was one of those one of those like leap of faith moments i guess and i was like screw yeah. it like i lived in leeds at university and moved down south um wow so it was like quite a big big thing uh moving yeah. uh down and like working in london and stuff and doing this full time after being freelance for years and years and years and living in leeds for like 12 years or however long it was mm-hmm. um so yeah it was that's that's how it came came about basically yeah wow that's a huge leap of faith yeah to suddenly change everything up like that and move down south and everything like yeah. you've got some big kahunas to do that mate and it's <laughs> worked out very well yeah. so it was a good leap of faith it was a good one but it was that um deal with car throttle that caused the wtf1 youtube channel to be created didn't it yeah absolutely yeah so we didn't right? have a, a youtube channel at all um other than i think maybe i'd uploaded some silly videos years ago yeah. but it was it wasn't like a proper committed youtube channel that was part of mm-hmm. this car throttle venture i guess gotcha well why because they they i'm guessing that was at a time where car throttle were already relatively big on youtube why was it that they wanted to make your brand into a youtube channel as as well did they just think that would sort of open more opportunities for the brand yeah yeah so they saw um a lot of potential in in wtf1 um as their their company grew um and it was their chance to go into the motorsport sector and have like a dedicated motorsport version yeah. of car throttle um mm-hmm. i'd had some other offers on the table about wtf1 as well um about buying it out um from maybe more more traditional motorsport outlets um okay won't say anything but you could probably guess like some kind of like idea who that would be um yeah i can have a guess yeah yeah but um (laughs) car throttle to me was someone like a brand that i trusted would get it like they were all about that sort of like younger silly side of it doing the youtube channel and i thought like that's what wtf1 that's the next step for wtf1 is more that style so that's another reason why yeah uh, i went with that because i i genuinely believed that it was the right right thing to do to help Mm -hmm. grow it and to keep it sort of dna as well i didn't i didn't want to completely sell it out and it change and i i trusted car throttle that that wouldn't happen which it didn't say so. yeah no that's nice no they definitely the two brands they definitely gelled together very nicely especially with yeah, the two yeah. youtube channels but how come you decided to get matthew gallagher in as the presenter you didn't fancy taking the role yourself oh no absolutely not no i mean i <laughs> i um like part of me uh like blogging as well is because i just I despised being on like video and stuff. So now that I'm doing like podcasts and things, that was like, this is like quite a big deal. Um, I had to Mm -hmm. get over like that anxiety of being on camera and stuff, but um, no, not, not, not a presenter at all. Um, Not my bag. (laughs) And um, yeah, just one day we looked into after I'd sort of got up to speed with car throttle we looked into who would be a presenter and looked at a few different things and yeah matt was mm-hmm. matt was one of the people that stood out as he was running around his kitchen throwing his arms around in the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i can imagine that was an interesting choice did you have quite a few different people that wanted to be the role as the presenter at wtf1 and yeah how did matt manage to stand out amongst the crowd then Yeah, so we had a, um, well, actually, my, I had a look and then I also um, asked my wife, Katie, to make a list uh, from like a non-partial point of view. Um, she'd been working, like helping me with the brand as well for, for a long time. Um, so she knew it inside mm-hmm. out like me. And um, she made a list of all the different, um, yeah, like all the different uh uh, people like like youtubers and stuff like that at the time uh so what was yeah. this end of 2016 and um 
yeah, she uh, wrote a list. I watched them all. Uh, she did a grading system. I did a grading system. And Matt was definitely the person that suited to that whole, like, silly side of it because we didn't just want a normal uh, presenter. We wanted someone that was a bit more out there, which um, there yeah. wasn't that many back in 2016. Um, it's quite hard to come across. Uh, and Matt, yeah, definitely <laughs> stood out him ranting and running around his room that was like okay this is the kind of personality we want um so we got him yeah. uh we got him in for an interview uh, i remember i remember sending him a tweet dm and he always <laughs> we always laugh about it because um he was we talk about like playing it cool and stuff and he replied within like one minute i think it was going yeah yeah sure okay cool yeah yeah absolutely sounds amazing um, <laughs> and um yeah the first video which is still online that matt ever did his test shoot was talking about the lotus 49 with uh clive chapman um and i mean bless matt he at the end of the day we didn't really know it took us a while to know what to do with with youtube because obviously car throttle their whole thing was oh, i just go out and film a car now we couldn't just go out and film formula one yeah. cars it's not that easy um <laughs> so yeah. yeah not not easy to do um and then obviously you had the problem of f1 footage how do you do a youtube channel when you're not allowed to show any of the footage so it was a, a bit of a struggle at first hmm. um but eventually we sort of found our feet but yeah matt did this interview where he just was so nervous his hands were like this like by his side like didn't didn't know where to put his hands um yeah and because because i guess his dream job as well was on the line and he had to nail this this interview yeah. but yeah um it went well it wasn't the greatest video ever by any stretch and uh certainly the more we've gone on with the channel is now it didn't take long for matt to find his you know his feet and show the the kind of more of the yeah. personality that why we hired him in the first place yeah <laughs> yeah no, i can imagine all of that oh my goodness he must have been absolutely bricking it for that interview <laughs> but when when yeah, he when he exactly. joined in did he immediately gel well with the team or were there a few teething problems at all not uh not really i mean i'd love to find it but when we um when we first got him in actually for a test year, I've only just remembered this. Uh, we did a podcast practice just talking about the race that just happened. Right. And it was me, yep. Matt, obviously we didn't know each other, uh, guy that liked Formula One who was our web developer. Mm -hmm. um, and they just filmed us chatting. Right. And there's just no chemistry. The, we barely said a word it was just rubbish. I'd love to find it and watch it back yeah. now because it would be so cringeworthy, but absolutely hilarious as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, after a while, it didn't take long. Like, I think once we started doing YouTube shoots together and stuff, that's when you mm -hmm. sort of get more, get to know people more and stuff. And yeah, it, it, it did become more of like a, and it's really cheesy, but like a family because we were kind of working on this project together uh get, like traveling and doing all this stuff together so yeah yeah exactly you spend so much time together and it's a passion that you're all well, yeah passionate about Definitely, so yeah. it sort of brings you together doesn't it but yeah i would love to see that first podcast recording mate oh. if you could find that anywhere upload that to wtf1 that'll get so many views it's people so would love funny. that yeah. <laughs> that would be incredible but yeah, so you you were bought out by Car Throttle and then had another few years. The YouTube channel continued to grow. And then you've more recently, this year I believe, have been bought out again by Talk Esports. Now, how has that sort of changed things for WTF1? Uh, yeah, so uh, what actually happened was um, uh, Car Throttle was acquired by a company called Dennis Publishing. Um, who own okay. a lot of different car magazines and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And Car Throttle is still under them. But we were very okay. much, to put it mildly, like the forgotten child um, of oh. that company. Um, 
they were automotive and we were um formula one so yeah they did i i mean at the end of the day like they did they didn't know what to do with us basically we're, we're not mm. um we're not there they're kind of bag i guess um but mm-hmm. then talk esports took over uh and uh the guys there are also um the guys that own the race which is their um the okay. more i guess they're still like a bit silly but more of like the serious news publication with the journalists yeah. that go to the races and stuff um gotcha. and that was great for us because we had someone that understood the brand they support us a lot they understand motorsport which is which is such a blessing because having having like bosses and stuff that that understand it and yeah yeah i mean since they've taken over they've just put the trust back in me and matt to do our thing essentially and it's really paid dividends we've we've kind of the youtube channels really kicked off again uh mm-hmm. social and instagram's just like flying uh views wise and stuff so yeah it's great having the, them behind us because they they really do just trust what what we do and know that we're the people that have essentially made it popular so we know what we're doing really yeah exactly yeah you guys sort of have the heart of the company yeah. in you so you represent it very nicely but since they're talk esports, can we be expecting a WTF one esports team anytime soon? You never know. Uh, not mm. something being discussed, but um, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we we do a bit of um, we obviously do like some esports stuff. Uh, me and Matt yeah, over lockdown did um, some of the alternative commentary over the Legends races, which was a good laugh. Yeah, I remember um, watching those. Yeah. What else have we had? Uh, and then, yeah, Matt's taken part in a few uh, esports races as well. So, mm-hmm. never say never in the future. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think the thing is that like, esports works really well with our our audience anyway. That we're Definitely. we're sort of more yeah. that um, younger platform that people people are yeah. more into that. Whereas, I mean, just look at look at when Formula One share anything esports, and you've just got like. 40 year old guys going um can you take this off the page please uh this is formula one real formula one uh please go away um whereas our audience are a bit more more understanding and formula one will always be our number one thing but esports does well as well so yeah i'm sure we'll do do the odd thing yeah you literally just described my dad there mate he doesn't get it (laughs) at all just straight over his head yeah but people don't (laughs) esports is definitely good thing to do yeah, it's so strange, isn't it? That exactly, it's just yeah. a different generation, I guess, at the end of the day. And they just don't get it at all. But but yeah, to finish off the first half of this podcast, I wanted to quickly ask you. Now, I know Matt's craziest moment, thanks to WTF1, would probably be driving the Renault F1 car. What would you say your craziest moment, thanks to WTF1, is? Um, Oh, it's been a few good ones. Um, I think I've said it. I think I think I'll always it will always be just because of how early it was as well when we started. Um, mm-hmm. This was 2017, so the end of 2017. So we'd only really just sort of got going. Um, we hadn't had too wow. many opportunities mm-hmm. to do that much. And um, 2017, yeah. we went to uh, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, which was obviously awesome. Uh, yeah, Grand Prix. I never thought I'd get to go to and and watch. But after that, um, we were doing some work with Baku City Circuit, and uh, yeah. Daniel Ricardo was doing a media appearance there. And mm-hmm. as we were doing the content for Baku, we just spent two whole days with Daniel Ricardo, just going to like dinner with him, um, like. It was mad. It was just like such a surreal That's night. Um, yeah. And, you know, we were, we, he just came over and sat at our table and we were just having a laugh and drinking wine. And it was like, this is just bizarre that it, within a year we're just sat having a laugh with Daniel Ricardo, And he was just such a That's friendly mental. guy. And, um, yeah. 
yeah because because that was so early as well i mean i'm luckily mm-hmm. we don't do it i feel like if that sort of stuff happened every day you you'd lose the sort it would become more like normal but i think it's it's important that we always have that sort of you you remember being a fan uh because yeah. we are fans and it's still still like when you get to do stuff like that it's like oh my god this is this is awesome which i think works really yeah. well because you appreciate that because we've because we're all formula one fans you know i've been like right at the start of this podcast when i was talking about going to those races i've been mm-hmm. i've been the person queuing for six hours to get a driver's autograph yeah. and stuff so when mm-hmm. you when you get those opportunities you really like you're like i know how lucky wow. i am i know how amazing yeah. this is so yeah that that whole day was just incredible that's amazing yeah i bet i bet you were pinching yourself at yeah. dinner there drinking wine with Daniel <laughs> yeah Dan. jesus yeah, yeah that's amazing mate that is incredible well i aspire to do that myself one day hopefully we'll see that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> but mate that's that's awesome that's awesome but that is the end of the first half of this episode of the Chatterbox Podcast. We'll continue talking to Tommy all about his motorsport media career and also about his own personal channel in just a second, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Chatterbox Podcast. My name is Sir Meerkat and I'm still joined here today by Mr. Tommy Bellingham. Now, Tommy, we've talked through your motorsport endeavours with WTF1, but since WTF1, you've actually begun making your own content. Now, what made you decide to start producing your own content on YouTube? Very good question. Um, Well, it all started when a uh, person in Wuhan um no but um (laughs) yeah so lockdown essentially um it was it was basically lockdown um i found myself yeah i I was always a massive fan of doing livery work um going back to like way back when i was talking about sort of playing really old video games and stuff i used to um i used to mod uh, an old f1 game and make liveries pretty much i'm sure it would have been like microsoft paint like making making liveries because the graphics were so poor you could just make them on paint um (laughs) and then i got into doing them on r factor and it's just something i've loved for ages Mm -hmm. and then when when i bought gran turismo i just got absolutely obsessed with the the livery editor it's just something i love doing Mm -hmm. um and then I, th- I think I just noticed that you could stream uh, through your, your PlayStation, didn't have any equipment or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was just loads of people doing Twitch and stuff. And I, and I just thought, why not? I'll give it a go, see if anyone enjoys it. Mm-hmm. And it was just something a bit different. And it it is something I just like doing because it's not something like I have huge aspirations because wtf1 will always be like my my number one priority but when i've got a bit of time it's just nice to do to do that side of it because um which is weird again because like presenting i never like it's not presenting but it's being on camera and just chatting which i never thought i'd do um part of it as well was to sort of help with the anxiety side of being on camera and just yeah and and it generally has like really helped um mm-hmm. that side of things just helped with my like confidence and all that side of it as well and just being more chatty and on camera and stuff so um there's that side of it and then just the fact that i love doing liveries so just tried doing it one day people seem to like Fair. it and uh yeah it's just something i really enjoy doing yeah, you really threw. If it was like partially trying to help you get over your anxiety of being on camera, you threw yourself in the deep end, mate, doing streaming <laughs> where you can't edit out the bits that you mess up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's yeah, very perfect. true. Um, yeah, very true. But it's just um, the, the good thing is, as well, like not being, it's the kind of thing that 
it, it's not like I have a small following on social, but certainly a lot smaller than WTF one. So, yeah. um, you know, when, if I'm messing up, I'm doing it to like a hundred people, not mm-hmm. 20,000 or whatever on WTF one, yeah. which people, people make me aware of if I say anything slightly oh, wrong bet. on a podcast, <laughs> it will, yeah, I will know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine, mate. I can imagine, but I think uh, that's, that's kind of what you were saying about the style of the streaming as well with the making lyrics. It's just so relaxed and like you can really tell in your streams that there's no like front at all. You're not trying to like put on a personality. You are just sat there making deliveries like you would be doing if you weren't streaming anyway and just chatting about it and just enjoying yourself. So I would highly yeah. recommend if anyone does not already watch oh, his streams, go over to his channel and drop a little subscribe because they're <laughs> super relaxing and fun to watch. And the stuff you make is actually sick, mate. Like some of the deliveries are Oh, banging that's cool yeah so good it's so, so much better than things. tomo so much better than tomo oh yeah course, <laughs> <laughs> no he's um it's one of those things where um yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pretend i'm this like crazy wacky over the top guy like yeah. i'm not i'm very much an introvert um but i've always been that way so yeah yeah streaming is just it's just me being me really and that that's what i enjoy doing um i, I know a lot of people like stream games and stuff i i do a bit but for me it's like i'm not really offering anything different if i'm just you know playing yeah. f1 2020 that you can watch people that are far better at the game and far more entertaining at it than me whereas with liveries yeah it's just the kind of thing that a lot of people said they enjoyed because it was more just the kind of thing you can stick on in the background. Well, um, it's kind of like, uh, I'm sure someone explained to me that it was like a Bob Ross, uh, like Bob Ross, but motorsport liveries, where it's just, it's so kind of chill. There's no real energy. It's just like just editing something and being a bit of a nerd about it. So yeah, yeah, it's good fun. That's cool, mate. I never thought people would sit and watch me paint a car for two hours, but here we are. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Someone's clearly interested because you've got a few thousand subscribers, yeah. so there you go. That's a great analogy, though, saying it's like Bob Ross. That is so true. <laughs> that is a perfect way to describe it. I like that. I like that. Now, before we move on to the fan questions, I've got two more yep. sort of smaller things that I want to I wanna know more about. Firstly, you were speaking about her earlier. Can you tell me the cute story of how you met your wife, Katie, and also possibly of how you proposed her as well? I can do, yeah. Um, uh, so I met Katie... Oh, God, I've been put on the spot 12 <laughs> oh. years ago. Nice. Yeah, it's been a long time, so I need to count that. <laughs> Um, she would have really hated you if you 12 years ago <laughs> a house party um in nottingham and um yeah it was through a mutual friend and um we i mean it's the perfect f1 love story because um she was into f1 as well um and yeah got on really well at this house party and uh the next day watched the watched the f1 with her and that was Ooh. it. It was like, nice. you know, you know, she's the one now. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it was obviously like great. And then we were both, we met at a house party in Nottingham, but we were both at Leeds um, Ooh, University, which worked well. well. Very nice. Um, and then, yeah, um, moved in together like a year later. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, nice. And been together ever since. And then um, proposal was in Edinburgh and uh it was actually funny story so i because i'm a clumsy idiot i managed to um you know when you like clip your toe on the corner of like the sofa or whatever and it absolutely wrecks but i did that so badly i swear i broke my toe like it was that bad oh my god and and i could barely walk um but i'd booked a trip to edinburgh and uh with the with like had the ring ready to propose and i remember katie being like oh um you know sure we we can cancel it if you know you can't walk and stuff i was like no it's fine we're going we have to go um, we have to go <laughs> and then um yeah 
and she she mentions as well we went we went to dinner and i was gonna i was gonna propose by the castle and i was facing outside she was facing inside and i just looking outside and it started snowing um yeah so i was like oh god this is this is like could this go any more wrong wrong. hobbling around (laughs) it's snowing um but yeah uh it worked out fine in the end uh proposed to her yeah outside edinburgh castle and luckily she said yes and (laughs) i've been married for like five years now what an amazing story mate that's a That is incredible. You're walking around Edinburgh as a hobble, but if it's a walk in the snow, yeah. you've got to propose to Luckily, life. yeah, luckily my like my foot was a little bit better, but it was still like hurting a lot. Yeah. Just a lot of painkillers. Nice, yeah. You pulled through and it worked out in the end. So well done, yeah. well done, mate. <laughs> um, and also the other love of your life, who you were mentioning a lot before we started recording, how and why did you get Frank, your adorable dog? uh so yeah frank um my wife is so bad because and i always say it and hate myself for it was i was never really that much of a dog person yeah and my and genuinely like katie just wore me down um to the point where we're just like okay and then um she really liked dashens like sausage dogs and stuff Mm -hmm. and then we saw one on Instagram, I think it was, and it's like the dapple coloring like Frank has. And um, I was just like, oh, that's really cool. And then, so, so yeah, some some Instagram account had a dappled sausage dog, and I think I followed it, and I was just like more and more convinced every day. Yep. Um, and then we went, um, and then she managed to, to find one, and we drove up to uh, Glasgow to get him. Blimey. <laughs> yeah that's quite the um drive. yeah quite the drive and um i mean luckily it's from leeds but it's still a long way and um, yeah. still a trek um but yeah i've just been besotted ever since we got yeah. him really i'm sure tomo can relate with minton as well that i was gonna say yeah they, they just take stories. over your whole lives yeah They're exactly. like little babies basically <laughs> They genuinely are so cute, yeah. so cute. Have Have Frank and Minton actually met up yet? They haven't. No. Oh, what? Foot, actually, we've been trying to do it for for ages. That would be some quality um, content. Yeah, unfortunately, quality. like lo- there's been like lockdown and yeah. we live quite far apart. But we 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 definitely need to make it happen because oh. the, you know they're the two most famous sausage dogs in F1. So genuinely. They need to. They need to meet up. It that needs would be to incredible. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. I can't wait to see it in future when it inevitably does happen. I'm looking yep. forward to it. I hope I'm there to witness it as well. It would be incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, mate, that's awesome. Uh, lovely to hear how you met your wife and how you met your dog. Great to hear, mate. But uh, we'll move on to the fan questions for today. Thank you, everyone who. Um, submitted your questions over on Twitter and Instagram. Link to both of those of mine are in the description below in case you're not following me already. But we'll uh, we'll get on with the first question. At Christina underscore fit on Twitter asks, if you could only rewatch one Formula One Grand Prix for the rest of your life, which race would it be and why? Oh. That's a difficult one. It's a I very difficult one to start off with. If you're, re-wa- if you're re-watching it, you already know the result exactly whereas if you like if you get to watch one that you you kind of you know if if, if i didn't know the result if I you get to like wipe like your brazil. mind off there yeah, yeah you'd say like brazil 2008 wouldn't you or something but yeah. um oh that is that is very difficult um probably it's kind of a boring one but like to to say but i think germany 2019 just because of the chaos and there's a lot of action in that so there's yeah. a, there's a lot um a lot going on um and you know max verstappen won it as well which is always a bonus for me so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i'd probably say that that's a good one interesting that you went with the more modern one than a classic one there then. But yeah i'm not one of those people that that kind of has the race reminiscences yeah, yeah. I know that like Formula One has 
it's not as bad as people think it it is compared to you know back in the day like mm-hmm. some people were always like oh it was so much back better in my day it just yeah. wasn't <laughs> it just wasn't yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's right enough that's right enough no good choice definitely a very good choice there germany 2019 now at Ellie underscore Dow17 on Instagram, they asked, how does it feel to see WTF1 growing and slowly being recognised in F1 today? I imagine it's quite surreal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's still moments where I'm like, yeah, how on earth are we where we are? It's, it's, it's mad. Like, if I think back to like, when we had our, our 10th anniversary celebrations and stuff uh, this year, I was looking back at a lot of odd stuff and it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is mad how much, uh, we've achieved. And I, I never want, I never want to sort of like lose that because like I was saying earlier with the Daniel Ricciardo thing, as soon as that becomes normal, it's not, it's not as exciting anymore. And uh, I think the the thing that works with WTF1 so well, and this, this can be said for so many content creators is people people aren't stupid like if you, you they can see through like dis like people that are disingenuous and stuff yeah. and wtf1 is one of those things where like because we're formula one fans it works I, if i was setting up a business i'm not gonna go hmm what will make me the most money? Formula One memes. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not the kind of, yeah. it works because we're passionate about it. And exactly. It, yeah. it's, it's that side of it that is the best. Yeah. No, mate. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. The Formula One memes are probably not raking in the cash, but we love to see no. them. We love to see them. <laughs> <laughs> now, the F1 debate show guys on Twitter, they asked... What racetrack would you add to the F1 calendar that F1 has never raced at? Never raced at? Never raced at. Oh, my God. Oh <laughs> kind my of putting God, you on the spot so there of just difficult. a track that... Trying to yeah, think I'm of a to think big of track. Like <laughs> a good track that's not, that would be suited to Formula 1. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. There's, oh, I need to look it up. There's some track in argentina i think it is that it's like a grade two circuit and it's round this like beautiful lake and it looks like something from you know like forza or gran turismo um it's absolutely stunning i can't remember the name of it It but it's basically it basically it's just like it just twists around um this lake this lake and yeah it looks awesome i'd love more more tracks with like beautiful scenery like that Definitely. That's, that sounds sweet. Yeah, I'm sure someone will stick it in the comments that will know exactly what track it is and yeah. the exact length <laughs> and everything like that. But yeah, yeah, that sounds sweet. Yeah, I would like to see sort of um, more a sort of over branching of places as well because we don't really have anything in, in South America, do we? So that would no, be also oh, yeah, Brazil. There. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would be good. The, the last race proved that out there circuits work. <laughs> yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. Now um, at uh, Assessavana on Twitter, they asked, what is the strangest or most outlandish content idea that has never been put into action? That has never been put into action. Yeah. Uh, so you had some, or you or Matt or anyone had some crazy idea, some content that you could do, but it just never sort of worked or came to fruition as such. Oh my God. Is there anything? Um... You, maybe your ideas are just really so difficult. good all the I'm time to... that you just use them all. No, no, because the thing <laughs> is, like, a lot of our, like, we have a lot, like, a lot of planning goes into it. There's really not oh, yeah. much that we do and don't release. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess one thing a lot of people don't know that they're kind of cheating here because it has been technically released is um, just before lockdown, me and Matt recorded um, some, like, pa- silly parody songs um oh, right. obviously like matt's old one that he did in 2013 was him singing i am roman grosjean about um to i want it that way by the backstreet boys and um we were recording a video that's going on our channel soon about um we we tried to drive the f1 game blindfolded and we're absolutely terrible nice but um because lockdown was happening in a couple of days we're like right any content we want to do we need to film it now mm-hmm. and there was a guitar there 
so I'd started playing and Matt started singing and then we're like wouldn't it be funny to write some more silly parody songs um so we just wrote wrote down some silly lyrics and um they're on our TikTok page which we're trying to sort of nice. be down with the kids but TikTok's <laughs> oh one of those things that's like yeah 31 year old man yeah. goes TikTok TikTok stuff <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah I'm like some of that stuff it, it, yeah we're trying to we I guess the more experimental stuff goes on um goes on TikTok really yeah, that's fair. um but there's not really that much um we don't release because we have like when when we have a crazy idea a lot of the time we people will we feel like people will enjoy it we'll only ever do stuff that we feel people will enjoy yeah um obviously we have released stuff that flops and we go yeah let's not do that again mm-hmm. um but yeah yeah no that's cool that's cool but oh, i agree with you mate Tick, um tiktok goes straight over my head as well i don't get it i people yeah. have been telling me i need to make a tiktok account and i'm just like i don't even know what i would do <laughs> on there like <laughs> no idea mm. and also funny that you're saying that you're coming for sim dane's job as well so he's gonna be having to watch out for matt gallagher oh, making those kind of tunes as well quality yeah I say. oh he's Love so it. good so good he's great <laughs> and then on to the final question of today at david underscore pine on twitter asked if you were starting wtf1 today would there be anything that you would do differently from the experiences that you have now? Ooh. Um, I guess... Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I started again, I would... I, I've learnt so much, and I guess... Um, I feel now that if I went back to that decision where um, to sell it to Carthroll, for example, or to start a blog or anything, obviously I've learned so much. Like when I started, I had no... At the end of the day, I was just making pasta maldonado jokes on the internet. I wasn't a businessman. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, now I've got so many more skills and so much more like life experience and yeah. know how to use things like Photoshop and know how to monetize YouTube and all this kind of stuff that I didn't know before. So I guess the obvious answer would be if I went back, I would probably just, I'd know everything what I needed to do because yeah. I've got that experience now, but I'd never would have got it if I hadn't have joined Car Throttle, learned so much from the people that I've been working with for the last few years, because I, I think it shows that the, that I was, I started WTF1 in 2010 and really only started kicking off stuff with Car Throttle in 2017. For those seven years, um, the progression from 2017 to now, I have learned so, so much, much more in yeah. those three years than the, the previous seven, just yeah. working with more people naturally. And you learn so much more from them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I w- in terms of that, yes, but I wouldn't do anything different in terms of the way like WTF1's approached itself because it's still, uh, I'm like really with ha- happy with like how it's just always stayed true to what it is and being like the fan page, like, I appreciate that not everyone there'll always be some people that will pick it apart and think that maybe i sold out or whatever but in terms of like keeping it a silly page um that just it, it's all about just sharing my love of formula one for with other people that love it as well so yeah. um yeah i i wouldn't change that at all no that's nice and um i was thinking as well if you went back in time with all of the stuff that you know now I feel like the like actual brand of WTF1 would have grown up in such a different way that it wouldn't oh, yeah, have even yeah. become the same thing that it is today. So I think you needed that sort of progression from having absolutely no clue what you were doing and just posting, as you said, Pastor Maldonado funny memes that you were able to sort of snowball it into into what it's become. But yeah, because I think if you if you start something and it's like right, our first thing we're going to do is a sponsored podcast from blah 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 it, yeah. it, it's not you you almost i i know that i say like it's always we always want it to be like the indie page and but obviously like it starts off small and grows and people like the fact that they've 
followed it for ages and i still get exactly. messages from some people on facebook that are like i like wtf1 on facebook when you had 700 likes on facebook Amazing. or something yeah and the fact that they still like it for me shows that we've not sold out or just gone no now we're going to be a corporate football page exactly. do you know what i mean it's yeah. not it's not that's not what it is so yeah. i feel like we stayed true to what what we do but like you say we've grown i think you're right that progression is so important for mm-hmm. a page definitely yeah and you've still got all the heart and all the all the love and the passion that you've always had and it's always great to see tommy but thank you very much for coming on this podcast mate i've enjoyed our little a little natter and i've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more so thank you very much for coming on you're welcome i'll just grab frank so everyone can uh... oh yes i need to look on the zoom call now as well so i can look at frank oh now i'm gonna put it at the start of the podcast stay to the end for frank oh my goodness Uh, the ultimate clickbait oh my god he's so cute he is so cute so sweet he's a good little little guy he's interrupted many a wtf1 podcast (laughs) watch out he's licking the mic there watch out (laughs) oh little rascal (laughs) loves the attention so cute so cute always great to see him oh, oh i've tried to minimize it i've always hung up the call there but uh lovely to see frank as always um and lovely to see you too mate it was great to great to Thank have you. a natter as i said earlier if you would like to subscribe to tommy's channel there'll be a link down in the description below for you to go and uh, you to go and do so and if you enjoyed listening to this podcast be sure to drop a like on it down below and subscribe to my channel as well why not you don't want to miss out on all the lovely guests i'm sure i will have in the future But again, thank you guys so much for watching and I'll see all of you meerkats later. Goodbye, guys.